Hello, this is Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we're two teachers talking. Tony and I are getting together and we talk about education in Japan. I always say this at the beginning of the episode, so if you've heard it before, just bear with us. <laughs> anyway, so today, to make the introduction a little short, we're episode 116. I can't believe we've done 116 of these, Tony. Sure For some yeah. reason. Yeah, it's a <laughs> lot. It's a lot. And if you figure it, two hours, so we've spent a lot of time talking with each other. But today we're doing a, a topic that I think you and I approach differently, speech contests, the value of speech contests where students prepare, get together, and then they get into this competitive situation where they all stand up and give speeches and are judged by, how many judges was the last two you did? Uh, interestingly, um, one was uh, about four and the other was only two. Okay. So you have either four judges or two judges. Students get up, they get into an auditorium. How big are the audiences in these speech contests? You just uh... small, small. Um, no, no public to speak of. Um, there was a, there are the judges and the other contestants, and um, maybe you know maybe a staff support of two or three, and maybe three faculty members. So and what's the size big. of the room? Tell me this is like in the giant school auditorium, right? With like, you know, five, a thousand seats and there's like eight people there, right? Uh, not quite, but they, in each case it was a, what I would call a large classroom. So not an auditorium, not, not, not a, not a 300 seater, but a largest classroom, maybe, maybe could hold 50 people, maybe each. They're both about the same size. So in a certain way, it's like simulating a presentation in a classroom. In a big classroom. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go into this, and uh, I think you feel that there's some value to speech contests. Yes, that would be accurate. That would be accurate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I'm on the fence. I kind of go both ways. I think that in some ways they're good, but in some ways they're bad. But I'm going to start off by saying that uh, the reason I don't like them is that it rewards and emphasizes that preparation part of Japanese education and where you prepare and you prepare and you prepare and you put something into your head and it's basically memorized and then you go off and you do it and there's no adaptation, there's no engagement. And I'm going to toss that out to you, Tony. I say that, okay, in that sense, it's just a recreation of the things that ordinarily, and we have often talked about this on the show, that we find are not good aspects of Japanese education, that over amount of time, the amount of time spent over preparing and putting something into your head and then going out and performing in the same way that you've learned rather than adapting. How do you think about, what do you think about that? Um, well, I guess we disagree on, on that. Um, Cause I think uh, the, that preparation is maybe one of the key benefits on learning learning to prepare or going through the process of that preparation is one of the key one of the key benefits of, of doing a, a a speech and um and this is going to come up over and over again it's, it's a question of how and you, and you and you mentioned like the the japanese way of preparing for a speech with the memorization and and yeah, the way it's usually done, and what I often see, what I saw the, in the, you know twice in the in the last couple of months and numerous times over the years, um, it's it's how it's done and how the students how the students are taught to prepare. But um, 
for me, I think preparation is actually one of the, the big ones. Um, long, long ago, um, a very wise senpai um, to, told me, he says, you know, with regarding the teaching, not, not speech contests uh, specifically, you have to believe in effort for its own sake here, <laughs> teaching English in Japan. Effort for its own sake. And if you, if you can't accept that, you're toast. Okay, I'm toast. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I kind of fit that back into, you know, it's like, you know, sit there and chew on it. Say, okay, this this guy's been here a while. And, well, let me, let me think about that. And kind of pieced it together with my own life. And um, thought about um, just generic hurdles uh, in, in my life that, uh, or challenges, uh I don't know, goalpost, not goalpost, mileposts, mile markers, um, things that present a challenge to me and what I got from that, that maybe nothing specific about what was at hand, um, but the fact that uh, uh, rising to a challenge and meeting it and succeeding and things, things like um, graduate school in, in Madison, Wisconsin, which doesn't sound like a big thing, but um, there were all kinds of things that there, about the, the year some that I lived there that um, presented all kinds of challenges. I mean, for first experience being basically the outsider and being discriminated against and, 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 and. Uh, living on my own for the first time and all kinds of things. And, you know, okay, survived that. It had nothing to do with graduate school in English, but I learned a lot of things. And... Uh, Joining a sports car club and uh, f- first a challenge of racing, which was all, had always appealed to me, but taking my own car on a, on a racetrack and <laughs> confronting the fact that I was really very bad at it initially, but sticking with it and be- eventually becoming class champion a couple of years in a row. Uh, then moved on to, then to uh, the karate, which I've never been a particularly athletic person. Uh, started a little bit late, I was 30 maybe, and uh, you know, one of the most physically demanding for, uh, schools of, of karate, forms of karate, and uh, stuck with that, and uh, with tournaments, and you know, full contact fights, and just <laughs> squaring off against somebody in the ring who really wants to hurt you. Um, and then, you know, culminating with, uh, you know, coming to Japan, and uh, the struggles that I that I fought with here uh, in my in the first years at Semongako, and actually resigned twice in my tenure there. Um, you know, personnel battles, uh, con- confrontation with uh, like some of the other teachers. I mean, huge administrative blowups. But uh, all of those things, you know, this required all kinds of uh, stress that had really nothing to do with <laughs> what I was trying to accomplish. But having been been able to succeed at those things uh really helped me and made me help me grow and with the speech um recently this year read some research that more people fear public speaking than they do death <laughs> public speaking presents a bigger fear to people than okay that's slightly on that's like irrational and <laughs> <laughs> i can just ignore that but I've, you know I've what the, watching some of those kids and how they, those speech, those kids. I, they, they did fear that day more than death that's one, pretty funny right we had one kid complete meltdown 
I don't mean to laugh at the kid and stuff. Right, you right, know, right. But, you really feel bad because I've seen that happen where you know there's a real meltdown that occurs. But it's when you said that you know people fear death or speaking more than death, and I'm thinking, okay, that's <laughs> then all of a sudden when you started talking, I started realizing that I've seen people, and actually, you get that feeling from them. But it's interesting because that's one of the reasons why I never, in any of my presentation classes, have students come to the front of the room, and I always have them working in small groups. But um, if we go back to that, you know, the effort for effort's sake, and I understand what you're saying about all the different things you went through, but that is so much the argument for English education by itself, which is how you started off. Your son mm -hmm. said that, that the effort for effort's sake is so key. And I think part of it is that the students feel that if they make an effort, but they aren't able to use it, they don't see that it's a usable thing without being perfect or anything. It just skews everything in a, in a really... Um, unusable way, for lack of a better word. Hmm. And I see the speech contests and everything that you've said right now, even given that I do understand the value, I see that the effect of that is to reinforce, make an effort, don't worry about how well you use it. And I don't know how I feel about that. I have, a, you know, a prepared speech i mean it just it does don't you think it's like reinforcing all the things we struggle against in certain ways uh in in some ways yeah because it's but but it for me it's not a discussion the, the end point the end the goal here is not a competent discussion or conversation skills it is pretty much a one-way thing and again with the preparation it's what how they're taught to prepare and what they're preparing for and um I'll go with with two two prongs here. Um, one again, I use all of this in my in my presentation class. I use the example of Steve Jobs, and if you watch any of his keynote presentations, and he's he's pretty much recognized as you know pretty much a century's master, which means all time master. Yeah, I think he's just that's just overrated. I think he was good, but I don't think he was like as good as people make him out to be. I think his competition was just so sucky. Yeah, well, but anyway, he was good. Anyway, he was good. He was, he was okay. Yeah, and you and you watch him, and you, well, watch 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 him introduce the uh, the iPhone, right? And um, he looks like yeah, he's just out there winging it. But he talked to anybody at Apple. He's been practicing that for months, hundreds and hundreds of times, and he knows that at you know three minutes and thirty seconds into the presentation, he'll be standing at this point on the stage, saying this sentence. And it's a it's a it's like a bell curve, right? So the students never get over that. They never get to the the peak. They prepare and prepare, and they're they're still in the the stage of nervous recitation. You got you, they need another month of daily practice so they can say it in their sleep, do everything, and then once they've got it memorized, then they can start thinking about their eye contact, their gestures, their movements. You know, don't don't get me started on the gestures. <laughs> All right, but I'm, I'm gesturing wildly. Right, here, right, 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 right. <laughs> I, when I use pulling my too hair many out. gestures, I make a fool out of me, me and you. Anyway, um, and in the air, <laughs> and the fingers like pointing <laughs> to the go. sky. Uh, You're going. Da, 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 da. There are three main points. <laughs> you can see my hand. Anyway, um, to go to get over that to the point where you're so well prepared that it looks natural. Um, that's where you want to, be. and then that's my argument for the preparation. It's like not not to not to just not to memorize it. Yeah, memorization 
if if you if you still calling it memorization, you haven't practiced enough. It's, it's, the, not a, it's not a process of memorization. You need to practice this so many times that memorization is not even a question. It's just part of you. Okay, but I have an argument against that. Okay. Which is that in none of these speech contests are there even question and answer sessions, are there? None, not the two that I uh, did okay. this month, no. Yeah, I have never seen a speech contest. I mean, and I'm not saying I've seen a lot of these, okay, but I think... You know, when I first got to Japan and was starting to teach in universities, you know, people would uh, recruit me for the speech contest thing to be the judge. And you think, oh, this is great. And then you realize after you've done like the second one that you turn down the third invitation because it's just something you don't want to really do on the weekend. And it was basically because I got tired of the same kind of speeches, the same pattern of speeches, which is somebody on the stage talking. And it's not a realistic situation because there's no questions. It's not, it's not mimicking a real-world situation where these students, because, okay, other than for the students who are going to become politicians, let's say, how many people are actually going to get up in front of, let's say, 15, 20, 25, 30 people, talk, and not have to answer a question? And basically, the argument's going to be when your best friend gets married. It's the only situation I can think of where there's no questions afterwards. But in every real-world situation, you're going to present, and then you're going to answer questions. So. If a speech contest included a Q&A session as part of the evaluation, and then I would say there's a lot more value there. Because that's really prep, because it's what you said, where memorization, some, where was it? Somebody who said that, um, I was reading somewhere, that if you have to memorize something, you don't understand it. You don't know it. Right, right. And so that is, that's, um, I'm trying to think who said that, but it's really stuck with me because I try to explain that to my students now. Stop memorizing things because that means you don't understand it. You don't know it. If you understand it or know it, you know, you can say, okay, what are the top five reasons for X? And if you know the topic, understand it, you don't, you just rattle it off. So my right, exactly. That, I hope you can find that because that sounds great. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who, where it was, right? But it was a really good argument that, um, and I remember, um, I really saw that in action. This is a segue here, but I was uh, on the trip that I took with my daughter to the U.S. for the college thing. Um, visited a friend of mine who I used to work with, um, Francis Marr, who is now in Vancouver, and actually um, interviewed for uh, a potential podcast we're doing, um, or um, one of our uh, episodes on what it's like to raise a, a bilingual child in Japan. But her husband, Hugh, really nice guy, is a businessman. And he was kind enough to drive us to the airport for this early morning flight. And I asked him a question about business or something. And he just went immediately into this 10-minute, really cogent explanation of some stuff about business. And it was obviously clear. He didn't need to prepare. This wasn't a memorized list. He just knew it inside and out, mm -hmm. that he can just spew it out. So I think that's another thing that's a problem with the speech contest. It's reinforcing, learn your material, practice it, get it in your head. But then there's no Q&A where you actually have to prove that you have an understanding of the material, a real in-depth knowledge of the material, and that you're able to respond to user or, you know, the listeners or audience's questions. And that really uh, causes me to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, it, I'm kind of with you there, but that, that's kind of my argument. It's like it's not the speech content; it's it's how it's done. And that's like you know at the very beginning when when the students are told what the topic is going to be, a topic selection. And um, if everyone's limited to the same topic, or you know, or there's like a list to, to choose from, but to get them to talk about, as you just said, something that you know means something to them, something that they either know or want to learn more about, or something that they care about. And I, and I tell my students all the time, it's like you know, if you don't, you come up and you don't care what you're talking about, if you don't have an emotional connection, if you don't have a uh, a conviction about what you're saying, your audience is going to know that and you're, you're going to fall, you're going to fall flat on your face. It's not going to work. You've got to care about what you're saying and you got to know, you got to know about what you're saying. So I don't disagree with you there. It's like, it's not um, that, uh, like, like from my perspective, it's not, the, it's not the speech kinds. It's, it's like, it's how they're done. They're just done so poorly. Okay. Well, surprise <laughs> why am yeah, i not right right <laughs> surprise it's you know how the how the contest is organized yeah and so what i mean what i tell my when i oh go ahead sorry no i was just going to say that it just i i think that that so much is an issue for me as well is you know who why are we doing these things in the real world what's the value of that of the speech contest what are we rewarding what behaviors or skills or attitudes are we suggesting that you know are really good for students because you talk about you know the gestures and it's almost as if it's rewarding a certain artificiality um not even artifice of students doing these things according to certain formula and it's just not real world it rewards a certain kind of student in many ways, or it really punishes a certain kind of student, especially if it's required. For example, I know that there's sometimes teachers will actually require students to participate in a speech contest because they think it's valuable. And I just don't see really where the value is. I mean, I, 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 that's not really true. I think I'm, that's an ex, <laughs> it's an overreach there, but... Here's a question. I think we've talked before, but you have a pretty good record of helping students who are preparing for speech contests win, correct? Yeah, I guess so. You could say that. Yeah. Okay. So you're working with them and then they tend to be really successful. Now, what are you emphasizing? Know your material, have an emotional connection to it. Well, for, for, we step backwards. First of all, it, it, it comes down to content. <laughs> um, what, are you, what are you saying? Yeah, that is like really, the, and that's where a lot of the, the speech contests fall flat. They, they just kind of just ignore the whole idea of content and <laughs> right to like the, you know, the, don't get me started on like the criteria that were used for this judging. And luckily, at, uh, at uh, one of them where there were just the two judges, it was, it was another native speaker. It was a woman. She was a high school teacher. And uh, we got into the, you know the room to, to discuss, and but we just saw completely eye to eyes. Like this, the criteria that we've got here really is kind of skewed. And okay, just ignore that. Who do you think did a good well, job? Hey, we pretty what, much, what a we pretty surprise! Much, we, we, pretty much, surprise. we pretty much agreed who the winners were, and we were we were done only in ten minutes. Yeah. It's like we were unsure about like like number two, and I says, "Well, I like this." She says, "Okay, good. So that's two and three. Okay, we're done. Boom." And, okay, but uh, you ignored the criteria, right? Pretty much. 
Yeah, you see, there you go again. It's just <laughs> there you go again. You see, that's it's just so recreating in, <laughs> all the things that are wrong here. Well, they are, right? but we, but 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 we rewarded uh, naturalness. Um, you, know, you know, being prepared enough to be relaxed uh, and content. I mean, what what they had to say. Um, there was a you know one who. You know, one girl who ticked off all the boxes, her her topic imposed, chosen, I'm not sure. Uh, what part of Japanese culture would you want to share with the world? And uh, her choice was the um, the uh, Japanese school backpack, the Ronsel. And um, yeah, I think if, the, the, if there were two non-native judges, she would probably would have walked with because... Yeah, she ticked off all the boxes, but it was like, hmm? okay, this this one. There were there were native <laughs> judges, is what you're saying? Yeah, right? just me. Yeah, How many? Just, yes, yes. How but, many judges all? No, I said there were just two. There was just me and this other woman. No, no, no. The non-native. You said there was another contest, right? Oh, um, there was. It was uh, two and two. Two native, two non-native. Yeah. And may I ask whether or not there was general agreement or disagreement based on whether you were native or non-native speakers of English? Ha ha. Uh, in this one, uh, basically, you were just given your score sheet and you handed in your score sheet. And there was no discussion. They just toted up the points. There was no criteria? There was criteria. There was, there was like in your points, right? They had like five, six things. And you gave points for each category. Uh, you totaled up your points. You handed in your sheet. And uh, they, they totaled up the points and determined the winner, I'm guessing. I don't know. And there's no discussion. There was no discussion. <laughs> you know where I would go with that. <laughs> oh, it's such a microcosm of all the things that go on in this education system here, or maybe everywhere in the world. Yeah, and it's and like, like everything else. You, you, you learn how to get around it. <laughs> was that a lesson for the judges, or is that a lesson for the, the, <laughs> What's the, lesson the participants in the contest? I learned this lesson long ago. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, what... It's a lesson I think we've all learned, right? Yeah. Is figure out how to follow the rules so you can do what you need to do. Mm. But I, again, I just, it just sits poorly with me. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me give you another shot here. Cause I have a two prong thing. One was the press, the preparation and, um, all right, you go jobs. ahead and try all to right. see if you can sway so, me here. So this is, this is something that I tell, um, my presentation classes at the, at the beginning of the year. And I, this, I, this is why I tell them I think it's an important class. Uh, it says that we're going to be learning all kinds of skills to do presentations and speech, um, how to communicate your ideas and the, the skills that you're going to learn, um, transfer pretty well from language to language. So what you learn here, we're going to do everything in English, obviously, but you can, you, you're going to be able to do this in Japanese. You're going to, again, getting in over this fear of standing in front of the class or in front of a smaller group. It's a small class, so we don't have that big of an issue with, with that. And um, getting over, well, first getting over that fear, getting used to it. And they're presenting all the time, all the time, all the time. It, it, it's, they're, they're over the fear now. They can, they can do this. And um, the skill to be able to communicate your idea to somebody else to be able to persuade a group of people, um, that's a, kind of a cool superpower to have. Um, 
if you can get a, get in front of a group, whatever, a small group or a larger group, and communicate your thoughts, communicate your feelings, explain why it is that you think you can, your your idea is has value. Um, that's real power, and it's it's how you change the world. And then and then I put on the video and I show. One day, I will show Emma Gonzalez talking to throngs of people in Washington D.C. Uh, about she's uh, the uh, high school student uh, survivor uh, from Florida uh, with the shooting there about a year and a half ago, uh, who has basically started a movement in the United States to actively get people involved in changing the gun laws there, and she does an incredibly powerful uh, performance. Uh, very unique speaking style. And, and I just said, okay, kids, that's, that's how it's done. Right. Then another date, luckily this year we have a new one. Um, very recent, uh, Greta Thunberg, who addresses the United Nation, uh, climate control conference or whatever it was called. Uh, it's an incredibly powerful, uh, takedown of like, of our generation and our failure to address climate change. Extremely strong speaker. Um, also in my quiver, I have, um, you might have seen this one, Taylor Molly on uh, What Teachers no. Make. No. Uh, he's uh, really uh, a very un unique uh, speaking style, really in your face. Um, and uh, it's a dinner dinner party lawyer says, so, you know, teachers like t t Taylor Molly, what do you, you know, come on. It's like, what can what can a kid learn from someone who thinks their best option in life is to become a teacher? Uh, Taylor, what do you make? And he goes, he has a little reaction to that. Then he goes into his main things like, I make kids do this. I make that. I make. I make a goddamn difference. How about you? It's it's, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm going to put links to all this on the web page. Yeah, do that. I haven't seen that one, but that's great. How much? How much do you make? Right? Yeah. It's what I make. What, no, what do, you make? what do you what make? do you make? What yeah. do you make? What do you make? And I make a difference. And I make a difference. The, That's a nice line, yeah. And then there's also a, a very, very different kind of presentation. This is a TED Talk with uh, Derek Seavers. Uh, it's everything, for every, everything, that, everything that's true, the opposite might also be true. And he talks about, includes one of the examples that he uses, like, for example, um, maps in Japan and the U.S., and in the U.S., the streets have names. And oh, right. Japan, that's that's, that's, yeah, right, right. And in Japan, <laughs> they don't. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, like, you know, the ice hotel. He doesn't talk about the ice hotel, but he's got the picture there. And he's got, like, the, the Chinese doctors who get paid if you By stay well. By keeping people are well. Yeah. So, so all that. So, 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 so you know, go get all this. Is, but the, the Emma Gonzalez and the, and the, and the Greta oh. Thunberg, I said, this is, this is why we're doing this. And this is okay. what I'm trying to teach you to do. Not to go up there and parrot um something and again it's like how you do it it's like you okay know, i'm teaching you to change the world i'm not teaching it to recite all right well here's the argument from my side on this prong which is this goes back to um the thing about trying to get every student who learns english to be fluent you know that getting to that level of expertise that level of excellence is like every kid who picks up a golf club has to you know aim to be pro I think the model you're giving to people is most people aren't going to achieve that, even if they're good. 
even if they're really good speakers, and I think I'm a reasonably good talker, um, aren't going to get to that level of being able to influence and affect people that strongly from a speech. Most people are going to be able to communicate their ideas in small meetings with a give and take in, you know, basically discourse, right? Talking to each other. So I think what it does is creates a false model of equivalence, number one, in the sense that if you're able to learn to be a good speaker, you'll be able to make effective change. And I would grant you that I can see a trickle-down effect from that, that somebody who's working on presenting their ideas in a speech class, getting their ideas more, you know, um, logical, more, you know, precise, clear, that there's value there. But I think we're, you know, a presentation class and speech contests are coming from this old model of the great orator, the the one mover in the world. And it moves away from the idea that it's people working together, collaborating together, that makes more efficient and effective change. And that's why I have a problem with it. It's, you know, uh, it's the great man theory of the world in a certain way. Uh, and, you know, maybe the student who would choose to be involved in a speech contest is believing in that, that they're bound for greatness. But I don't know if I want to support that kind of way because most people won't achieve it. It's, uh, it's a level of uh, achievement that is so high and it's just not going to happen. Doesn't it make more sense if we had a speech contest where, for example, here's some alternative speech contest. Um, you get groups of students together, let's say two, three students together. They go to the speech contest. They're given a topic. They have two hours to prepare a presentation. They work together, and then they make the presentation together and then you know, have to get in front of the audience or the judges and do what they need to do. That seems much more real-world-like than the get up, prepare, stand up, now I sound like a Bob Marley song, don't I? <laughs> but you know what I mean by this. Sure. And Well, it's a different kind of exercise, and I think there's, yeah, there's great value in that as well. But it's a different kind of thing? But what's the value if most of our students are never going to achieve that level of well, in I, influence or persuasion? Well, the, and, the, the examples that I give them are, for example, you don't, you don't know when you're going to be able to use this, but... Um, most of you are going to get married and have kids, and you're going to be have parent-teacher meetings. Um, you're going to be have neighborhood associations. You're going to have uh, condo mansion um, association meetings. Um, if you have work, you're going to either have to do sales to groups, or possibly you can become a manager and address your unit, uh, your group, whatever it is. And you just never know when you're going to. And some of you may actually become teachers and have to stand in front of <laughs> groups every damn day. Um, you don't know when you're going to be able to use it. And I, I don't think any of the students uh, envision themselves um, standing on the, you know, in, on the steps in Washington addressing you know, thousands of people. Uh, but again, real world examples, you know. But the real world examples are different from the speech contest because it's, there's going to be a give and take, a back and forth, isn't there? Yeah. And I just wonder whether or not also this is the imposition of a English 
kind of speaker value system. Uh, Japanese meetings are different, aren't they? I don't think people get up and orate. So well, it much. depends on the meeting. No, because no, no, I do know. No, no, Japanese meetings are very different. In fact, I wrote the book. <laughs> yes, <laughs> literally, you did. you did write a book on that. Yes, <laughs> on the Japanese meeting. Yeah, they are sure are very different. But, uh, but, 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 um, I have you know real world. I've seen like here where I live, the condo meeting, where one person sits there and opens his mouth and and things change. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's small. But that's not a prepared speech. I no, but um, you make enough prepared speeches and those skills kind of come to you. And Okay, so uh, you're, the main value you're talking about is desensitization to fear of speaking. Well, my, my value is like the, uh, the power of persuasion. Okay, but the rules of persuasion are different. Well, in many ways, don't you think? Well, they're part of and it. And please don't ask me to articulate them. Yeah, right, 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 right. But it's just, no, I, I know that there, there are different rules here. Um, are, yeah, maybe, but the, the, the yeah, the rule, power, the rules of persuasion, but the medium, right? The, that ability to talk to groups of people. The ability to talk to groups of people uh, is 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 kind of what they're the brass tacks of what they're doing and how you know what goals you set for them and like how what are they going to do, um, what are they going to talk about while learning that? Um, well, that's that's kind of the teacher's responsibility to make it make sure that it's meaningful and that, that they care about it and yeah and then for them to be able to talk to a group of people about something that they care about. That, that's something they're going to do their whole life. Yeah. Okay. But I now think. we've we've moved away from presentation, uh, speech, speech contest, contest to presentation right? classes. Right. And both of us are we're not going to disagree with the value of a presentation class, the ability of getting students comfortable, being able to express their ideas, being able to express their ideas clearly. Let's say in an in an English, you know, um, rhetorical manner. Uh, all the values of preparation, thinking about it, learning your topic, being able to answer questions. You know, those things we're not, we're talking about speech contests, which is going to attract a certain kind of kid, a certain kind of student who's looking for a certain kind of reward. And I think it's sending that, uh, the wrong message. It's the wrong kind of contest. And again, my, my, I, I rest my case on the fact that, you know, that if you were to include a question and answer period in the speech contest, most of the students would flail. Sure. Because sure. they have been taught and they have prepared incorrectly, they haven't right. learned the subject. Right. I think well, I think we're we're pretty much uh, uh, saying the same thing. No, don't we're, say that because then they have then we just have to end the podcast. Well, and there's nowhere to go. But it's time time's coming along. <laughs> everyone's kind of going. Would you please end this podcast now? Yeah, right. Good. It's good. It's yes, it's down. good. It's a it's short good. one. <laughs> Why do I listen to this? Well, if I put it at three speed, it's at seventeen minutes. <laughs> So yeah, or I mean, you're, ta- minutes, you, yeah. yeah, you're talking about speech contests as they are, and I'm and I'm talking about speech contests as they should be. Right? Oh, what or is what this? This is like be. the Robert Kennedy moment, right? <laughs> what was it? The line? Well, right? Someone's shoot, going to shoot me now? <laughs> no, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Be careful there. No, I meant the quote that he said. Is he said some some people look at the world? Ah, um, uh, uh, okay. What was it? And ask 
why, and I look at the world and ask when or something. <laughs> so, okay, so we both agree that in their current incarnation, oh god, speech <laughs> contests are uh, a disaster. Yeah, we no no argument there. <laughs> All right, so you're not even arguing in favor of the. So you've pulled out the speech contest and said the fear value of the speech contest is that. People are preparing and the values in the preparation. Yeah, it's, right? what's, it's, it's what's given them. It's not the kids' fault. It's it's it's, it's the school's fault, the teachers' fault. I mean, there's all kind. Of, there's all kind of values. So, like for example, if the topics are you know given to the students correctly, right? It gets lets them. Okay, the merits of, of doing a speech, entering a speech contest. You identify a core message, and you, the, the participant, craft a way to communicate that core message to your audience. Um, you you write your speech. You learn how to structure a speech with uh, a beginning, a, a body, and an ending. And well, there's you have, your five paragraph you enough, essay, no, I'm, right? I'm, I'm also a fan of the five paragraph essay. So, oh, I know. I just wanted to give you a way <laughs> to say that because I know you like to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, structures, uh, but, structure is useful. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so however, you want to do it, and with you know, good. Where's your hook? Where's your beginning? How do you summarize things at the end? Make sure that you hit all the main points. Make sure that since it's an oral uh, message, you want to have enough repetition. You want to make sure that your sentences are short enough that your vocabulary is comprehensible to your audience. Um, timing, eye contact. Uh, and the discipline, the time and the effort to go beyond memorization or sidestep it. If it's something that you really know well enough and care about, you don't never have to, as your friend, your business friend, you didn't, <laughs> memorization doesn't enter into it. You just sidestep it because you know it, right? Um, so all those things, right? That's worth something. But the way that speech contests are structured now, most of them, do you know? Do very little of any of that. Okay. Well, that's this is my point. There, I think, they just don't have any value in the real world. They don't tie into any of the things you've just talked about. Right. Well, I'm saying uh, that that's, but but it's not that it's, it's the way speech contests are done. It's not speech contests by themselves. Okay, but isn't that an incredibly perfect replica of everything that's wrong with the education system? Yeah, I guess so. You can say yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a top. It's a top-down structure that teachers are struggling against. That most teachers would revise or change if they were given the chance to provide any input that was listened to. Hmm. So I, I just see this as another example. It's just a. It's symbolic of things that are wrong with the way things are done. I mean, this. You're right. If you were to, uh, let's say, survey. All the people who have done speech contests, we can probably have a reasonably good prediction of what people would say and the suggestions they would make. But there's no difference between a speech contest. I'm going to guess this, not guess this. I'm going to guess. I'm going to think that this is probably true, is that if I went into a speech contest next week, that I could not tell what year I was in. Except by the fashion, maybe. 
I mean, as a you'd go to this in other as, words, as observer. You let's could, say I was an be, observer. I was a fly on the wall. It could be nineteen when I got here. It could have been the first speech contest I saw in Japan was nineteen eighty eight, and now it's two thousand nineteen. I bet you that if I went to a speech contest and I had no idea, and I was in a time machine and traveling back and forth, there'd be no way for me to know, except maybe by the topic. Right, which would give some information, but the structure of the speech contest, the way the speeches were structured, how they were being evaluated, that there's almost no change. I'm going to venture that. And, I, you know, I, I probably bet a reasonable amount of money on that. So, or actually, I should ask you what you think before I bet any money, but you, you know where I'm getting at with this. I know, I know where you're getting at. And I think in some cases, you're probably right, but just, you know, real world evidence, this, the, the most recent. Uh, contest that it, where it was the judge. Um, one kid uh, came. Uh, he he was late because he had just come back from somewhere in Japan, um, and I, I don't know if he flew in or if he came back on the train. Uh, and the previous night, he had been up all night as a disc jockey. Uh, in some club, and he he began his um, speech by talking about being the disc jockey, and it was his first paying job, so he was very happy that now he was a professional disc jockey. Um, and uh, roamed around the stage, <laughs> um, such as it was, I mean, at the front of the classroom. Uh, but, uh, you know, pretty, very much off the cuff. Another, another guy... Um, was a um, power lifter, and uh, he talked about how his uh, exercise, his power lifting routine, um, uh, let him release his stress and and also let helped him focus and concentrate and um, helped him when he you know he had hard times. You just like burn it off in, in the in the gym with his weights and so forth. And uh, there was another guy who was uh his plan for the future was to become in, in interior design and his dream was to get a start with a restaurant and then maybe a hotel in New York and design the uh restaurant and the hotel according to principles of what helps people relax and feel comfortable and so those were the three of the speeches i don't think i heard anything like that in your that's not what i'm talking about that's not what i mean that's not what i mean Uh, you know i said about if you know other than for the content of the speeches but the way they're structured how they're evaluated how the judges are chosen how the judges you know decide on what's good or bad this the basic structure i mean well yeah because that's, that's everything that's wrong <laughs> yeah but i'm just trying <laughs> right, to say i'm not saying the right, topic yeah. or the contents are wrong of course the students are going to change and there's going to be differences but i i think it's just again it's 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 a it's a it's a it's just a a poor model given what we know about the world and it's an adherence to this kind of stylist stylistically uh top-down predetermined way of 
doing things, and it takes I'm, I'm people's time. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, you the know, way give, that, give the, the, the way that they're executed, the way that they're they're, they're done. Mo- yeah, but most that's what I mean. Time, they're, yeah, they're awful. It's awful. And I'm saying that you would not be able to tell the difference from '88 to 2019. And I'm going to guess this probably goes back to like 1950. But it's it represents to me everything that I dislike about education and these ideas where people don't adapt, don't change, don't think that they need to reconsider things. And everything everything is is contained in the fact where you said that the t- you and the other judge just basically tossed out the criteria decided by yourselves. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, game over. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, just, What's to, the point, to, then? What's the point? Well, change, you know, it's change, like it's change it to make it better. Well, there's, you know, okay. There's the point of uh, what, what used to be a bumper sticker in California that said, "Don't vote; it only encourages them." Yeah. I think that one thing is that teachers should stop volunteering and being willing to judge these contests in one way. Oh, that's right. Gonna stop it! It's just going to make it worse. Well, okay, fair enough. I mean, but, okay. <laughs> they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep doing it. The best you can do is, is just try to get them to change it. Oh, okay, yeah. Say that again three times. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, it can be done. You need to. You need. Uh, you need to take a presentation class. Me? <laughs> yeah, so you learn how to persuade people. <laughs> okay, Tony. Let's step back from this for a moment and. How much real change have you seen? You know, right? We've talked about this before, the general frustration that most teachers feel about trying to get things done properly. And that's why we've come to the conclusion that the best way to do things is not to say anything and just do it in your classroom to make the changes, right? Right. We've talked about that. Right. So here we are again in a situation that is recreating all the things I think that are wrong with the educational system reinforces again the feeling of well you know it's really a bad thing but even if i try to change things aren't going to change what should i do but if i don't participate it's going to get worse you know it's it's a reactive thing and i just i'm just glad i don't have to participate or i'm not asked to participate in yeah. them anymore and you know again it's there's no okay You've been doing this for how many years? Well, as long as I've been teaching here. So let's just okay. call it 30, right? Yeah. Okay, let's say 30 years. And in the 30 years after the speech contest was finished, did the organizers ever ask for input? From? The judges. Yes. About almost how like, almost how always. things could be improved? Well, no, and how no, no. things you, could no, be you, done. You're asked to like give your comments to the to the group. They no, 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 no. I'm asking. Okay, now that you've judged no, and you've watched not. our no, presentation, um, is not. there what would you suggest we do for next year? No, of course, uh, not. of course, of course not. Right? You immediately say, "Of course not," which is again proves my point. But that didn't stop us from giving our input. <laughs> We just said these criteria are Gee, crazy. How much does this like just sound like every teacher I know in an educational institution? But you know what? But you know what? Um, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm, I'm asked from the outside to come and be a judge, and so I'm not part of that structure. I'm not part of that organization. But maybe, maybe I'm naive because I'm, I'm, after all, I'm, I'm just a just a part time teacher. Um, but I want to believe that if I were 
uh, had a full-time position at a school and we were, our, my, my department was doing, uh, a speech contest because of course we've always had a speech contest. So of course we have to have a speech contest. Um, I would like to believe that I would every year fight tooth and nail to make it <laughs> better, uh, more meaningful, more realistic, less of this old style parroting of something. Um, I, I think I would do that. Well, that, but maybe that's just me and maybe I'm fooling myself. I think, yes, I would agree with the latter statement. Mm. I, I just think that it's a structured thing and it's not going to change because people believe this is the way the structure should be and it's been done this way for so long. And I, I think it's, yeah. Oh, so, wait, okay. Well, let, let's um. Let me let me just get the last thing here. Let me um, get the last word in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, um, please, because I'm just remembering that. Yes, in fact, once upon a time, I <laughs> I was a, a full time teacher, and this was in Semongaku in Osaka, and yes, in fact, we had speech contests every year, uh, and uh, I was of course had to continue the tradition. But we did, and. Uh, I don't remember the specifics, but of course, I was, I was a new teacher, so I was coming in fresh and didn't have any, was not poisoned by, by the past. And as I recall, um, for the speech contest, the topic was completely open. Students could talk about whatever they wanted. And uh, in one of my classes, there was a kid, it was, again, it, it comes back to content, but he had, uh, he had a great story. Uh, he was a special kid. He uh, had uh, spent a year in Kenya uh, volunteering, and his speech was about his uh, experience and about how his uh, volunteering in Kenya had impacted his life when he coming back to Japan. And so at the Semangako, he won the contest there. Uh, there was a national Semangako speech contest in Tokyo, and uh, we went there, and uh, I... Now, again, I, I this is my first or second year uh, at the at the Semangako, and he was um you know, kind of uh, maybe I don't know if country bumpkin is too harsh, but uh, it was you know it was kind of a misinterpretation of the fashion of the time. He had a awfully colored oh, brown orange suit. The pants were too short, showing white socks. And uh, I, I just think he's and hasn't, you know, not written, not, not a lot of money. And I, I just think I didn't think he had a, you know, he did a really good well at the Simongako, but like national Tokyo, I don't think I didn't think he had a chance. So we had, you know, rules you're supposed to be there at a certain time. I says, have you been to Tokyo before? He goes, no. I says, like, listen, you know what? We got get some time. Let's just go, you know, let's go just take a look at the Imperial Palace and just go look at the, you know, or the, from the outside, just like look around and see. Because I, I said, we, we, we can go this, we can do go do the electronics area, we can we can do this. He says, because, eh, it's okay, we, let's do that. We got in a taxi, went over there, we showed, and then, like, you know, little sightseeing and went, f took a taxi back to the, the speech place. We're late, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, sat down and, um, Boom, he won. <laughs> he was the first male ever to win that speech contest, and he was the first person from the school to ever win that speech contest. Um, so, 
uh, he wasn't up there parroting some memorized message. He was talking about real life experience. He's talking from the heart. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'd give him some coaching, but it was, it was his work. It wasn't mine. Um, and I think that was probably for him a positive experience and probably a learning experience. And he got to see the Imperial Palace. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a nice story. And I, I love these stories, you know, about the students who succeed and do things beyond expectations. That's not my argument. Mm-hmm. And you know that mm-hmm. my argument mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. this whole thing just completely the structure, the way it's done, how people are treated, how the judges are treated, the kinds of criteria. I could go on and on about how this just replicates everything that I think that is wrong with education in general. And I'm just happy that I don't have students asking me to help them anymore because basically what I have done when students have said that, you know, in the few years that I remember that students have said that they're preparing for presentations or speech contests is I just give them the hashi, you know, between the teeth practice where, you know, so that they start moving their mouth so that they are, their pronunciation and enunciation improve dramatically. Um, I do teach a, a academic presentation course for graduate students at one school. And, you know, one of the things I say is the most important thing you can do is to know your subject. If you know your subject, you're going to be able to talk about it. And, you know, learning how to speak clearly and the structure of the presentation. But I also explain to them that if you're going, especially for academics, I talk about the hostile audience, where you've got somebody who has a computer in front of them opened up. And unless you can keep get their attention, they're just going to end up surfing and doing whatever it is that they're going to do. So there is value, I think, in, in teaching presentation, but I don't think there's much value in this dinosaur of speech pres- you know speech contests. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a, it's you know it's a dinosaur that uh, should go extinct as soon as possible and you know we should create more interesting contests for students to participate. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. You know, as I said, you know get you know have them in teams and that they're given a topic and you know they have to you know, put stuff together. They have to use their skills, not just their speaking skills, but their organizational skills, their teamwork skills, their digital skills to put something together. And the other reality of it is, is um, these speech contests are just people talking. There's no PowerPoint, right? Correct. See, I see the value of that, right? Of no PowerPoint. But the reality is, is that if you go up and do a presentation without any slides, mm. people are going to think you're not prepared. And I just saw that in action the other day where I finally, um, I did a slide presentation for my students, you know, so what I had during the class, I thought, let me just see what happens. And it was amazing to see that they were all like, oh, thank you. You were so much more prepared today. (laughs) The only difference was (laughs) that I did exactly what I do the same classes because I have the website, they have all the materials. And all I did was take the website materials and put it into a PowerPoint, or not a PowerPoint, but just a slide presentation, right? Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of things that I could go off on again, and uh, you know, but it's a good time to wind up. But I just want to, you know, argue that I just wish these things would end. Yeah. And I I understand there are some students who really want to do it, but I would rather create a much more engaging, interesting, dynamic kind of contest that would bring out more creativity and more teamwork and more on the spot, um, 
interaction and engagement and some with a question and answer period should be the most important you know part of the speech but anyway i'm not i'm 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 done with my diatribe here <laughs> well we both agree that could, as it is it's not a very satisfactory situation and the, and there's a lot of room for improvement right well and again, one of the things i'm going to add to just someone mentioned before um uh and i don't know if you've seen it have you seen the 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 ted talk self parody Oh, those are great. It's like, yeah, oh, he, he, yes, he just, yes, he, yes. He describes what he's doing. Like, I'm walking to the center of the stage. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm about to talk about, tell you a meaningful story about something that deeply affected me involving can, another human being, right? There you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the, um, the uh, PowerPoint parody. Somebody did uh, what would have happened if um, Abraham Lincoln had done the Gettysburg Address with PowerPoint. And it, it was great because this is like, I think it's 20 years old or so, but it starts off with saying, just a second here while I get this to work. <laughs> yeah, I think, again, Ted proves the point, right? Mm. It's now, it's so formulaic. It's just, and it used to be good. Uh-huh. But I'll call it, you also have a problem of regression to the mean, of uh-huh. course. But, you know, I mean, I used to think Ted Talks were really good. And now I find that they're just, you know. Anyway, I went to I went to a TEDx mm-hmm. um, once, and uh, it was so stereotypical. Um, it was in Kyoto, I think, about three years ago or so. I forget. And somebody had an extra ticket lying around, and um, so they invited me. So I went, and uh, I was waiting in line. And somebody said, "How are you doing?" And I said, "Fine, thank you. How are you?" And the person says, "Really, really, really." you know, stoked to get some really innovative and creative ideas and move forward in changing the world. Oh. I thought to myself, God, it sounds like a cult. Um, huh. Yeah, you know, I, but I'm just so negative on all these things that are popular. You know, you name something popular and I'll give you a criticism. Okay. Have you ever, 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 have I ever liked anything? Have you ever, um, Gone to or experienced any connection, contact at all with like one of the Pecha Kucha things? I've been invited to go, but no, I haven't. <laughs> I yeah. haven't either. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that I could find something <laughs> wrong with it. Let me, even with, but you know, you see, this is the difference between younger me and older me. Younger me would have found something wrong with it and stated it. Now I would simply say, you know, I haven't gone, so I think I have to just wait and see. Anyway. I think that's a good place to uh, wrap up, don't you think? Yeah. Okay. So, I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we are two teachers speeching. <laughs> anyway, Tony, you be well. Have a good week, okay? Okay, you too. <laughs> <laughs>